Well, good morning, church family. It's good to be with you. My name is Brian. We've been going through this series uh, called Skinny Santa. More on that in a moment. But I want to tell you about one of the favorite books I read uh, this last year. It was called Ghost Soldiers, and it told the audacious plan of a group of about 100 elite forces uh, who uh, charged into enemy territory on, in the Philippines to rescue POWs who had been trapped there, who had survived the Bataan Death March, and who had been mistreated for so long. They had experienced the worst of the war. And so this plan was to go in and behind enemy lines and rescue them and carry them or cart them out or help them hobble out 30 miles back to safety. And it's a fascinating book. One of the stories I don't think I'll ever forget is uh, they, the spoiler alert, and if you know your history, they succeed. <laughs> That's what makes the book so great. But they, they get in against all odds. They get all of these POWs out and they are headed back, and it's the first chance they have to just stop for a moment, and they do a head count, and they're missing one person. One person, an Englishman by the name of Rose, was not with them, and he had been in the POW camp, and nobody knew where he was. Well, Rose um, had a hearing issue. He also probably had some other issues just related to the trauma from the war, and maybe wasn't always quite all there all the time. Rose missed the entire firefight of explosions and bombs and tanks getting blown up and screams and yells and flashes of light. He missed it all because he was in the restroom. It, it, they were in and out in, I can't remember, 30 minutes, less than an hour maybe, and he missed the entire thing. He stumbled back out late at night. He probably stepped over some soldiers' bodies made his way up, went to bed without even noticing that all of his friends had been freed. Woke up in the morning, walked out and thought, you know, something is different around here. I'm the only one alive. <laughs> and uh, when they had done the head count, uh, his fellow comrades had said, it's Rose, we're missing Rose. They probably guessed where he was. They knew some of his issues and, and some of his ailments and, and said, we got to do something. And they said, well, he should have been here. Where was he? How are we going to go back? And they said, we got to do something. We got to do something. We got to do something. And it ended up being a group of uh, Filipino uh, guerrilla warriors went back and they actually found him the next day and got him to safety later. But I thought about those guys who were saying, we can't forget Rose. We got to send somebody back for the one person left. Because sometimes in life, you need someone to be your advocate. You need someone to say, give this person a chance. It's okay. Maybe just go on one date. Just give them a try. Just hire this person. Trust me, they're going to be a great employee for you. You've had people in your life go to bat for you, to advocate for you, to, to help you. And sometimes for people, it's a matter of life and death. Because if somebody does not advocate for them, if somebody does not speak up for them, they won't end up with a roof over their head or a meal on their table or hearing that God even loves them. So we're in week three of this series called Skinny Santa, uh, where if, you're, if you've been here, we are telling some stories of St. Nicholas. And 
If you talk to your kids about that and they ask, you know, who's skinny, who, who is a skinny Santa, St. Nicholas guy? Well, St. Nicholas was a skinny preacher, and you might just tell your kids, you know, he was Santa's hero. Um, and we'll, we'll leave the rest of that story with you. But in week one, we really challenged you to think about how St. Nick had given money to save this family. And we wanted you to ask not what can you get for Christmas, but what can you give for Christmas? And, and then last week, we talked about how St. Nick at one point went sprinting to save some people and to speak up for some people. And we just challenged with, is there somebody you need to go sprinting to, to help them, to care for them? And this week, well, let's go back to the stocking and look in here, because it'll be a clue for this week. In your stocking is what everybody wants. A slice of bread. Now, I've had some good bread before, but let's be honest, we'd all be a little disappointed if this is our gift for the year, probably. I mean, it's probably right below socks, you know, and actually worse would be real bread below real socks. That would be terrible um, and taste bad. But there is a reason that we want to think about bread, and each week we've been watching a video that tells one of the, the stories of St. Nicholas's life. And so watch the video and you'll learn why we have the bread on the stage. One year, the whole area around Santa faced a severe shortage of wheat. The people were at risk of starving, but several ships loaded with grain and headed to Constantinople stopped at the port to resupply. Santa heard of this and came to the port to meet the ships and asked for the sailors to give some grain so the people in Santa's region wouldn't die of famine. The sailors said they couldn't help because of the grain had all been counted and if they were to arrive at their destination without the right amount of grain, they would all be in serious trouble. But Santa didn't back down. He told the sailors, give me 100 bushels from each of your ships and let me worry about how to deal with your masters in Constantinople. The captains were won over by Santa's request and left the grain with him. Santa distributed the food to all and it was enough to last them two years and even enough to plant grain the next year. But there's more to the story. When the sailors arrived at the port of Constantinople, they were shocked to find that none of the grain was missing. God had done a miracle to save the generous sailors from trouble and to provide for the people who were starving. And everyone praised God. One of the things that's been kind of fun is researching a little bit the life of St. Nick. And when you research any ancient figure, you have to kind of check on the manuscripts because one historian might write this and one historian might write this. And for most people, including St. Nick, there's not a lot of information out there. And it made me just thankful again that it was a reminder that the Bible has so much manuscript evidence. There's just thousands of copies that say the same thing. And even just in researching this story, it made me again think of how confident I am in the scripture that this Christmas story is true. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 1. And as you're doing that, just let me tell you, as you were watching the video, you might have thought, well, Jesus has done some miracles with food before. You're thinking of in the Old Testament uh, when the Israelites were fed manna. Maybe you remember when Jesus fed the 5,000 when he borrowed a boy's lunch and prayed over it. And it ended up being way more than just one boy's lunch and it fed everyone there. But there's something in the story I want you to catch. There's this tension in life that we, uh, it's a good tension. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing, but it's a good thing that we um, sometimes have to wrestle with just a little bit. 
because St. Nick actually did something, right? He saw there was a problem and he did something. And sometimes in my life, I've been guilty of trying to fix everything myself and not first praying and not first saying, God, can you help here? Instead, I kind of take the place, I think, of God and try to do it all myself. So you don't want to do that. However, we can also make the mistake of saying, well, I said a prayer, and now I'll just sit back and see whatever happens, and I don't need to do anything, because the Bible calls us to serve, and serving requires some action on our part, and so we believe we are to have faith, and that God leads the way, and that he does the great miracles, but God also expects us to serve, and if he calls us into action, then we need to be ready for action. So the context of the, the text today, kind of what's happening is we have Joseph, and Joseph was engaged to Mary. And everything we know about Mary is she was bachelorette number one. I mean, she was smart and wise and incredible. Everything we read about Mary's life, she's an A plus, A plus, A plus. And Joseph has to be thrilled to be engaged to Mary. And then in the midst of that, Joseph finds out she's pregnant and all of his dreams are shattered. He's feeling heartbroken. He's feeling betrayed. He's wondering what kind of future he has. Everything in his life is turned upside down. And so catch the emotion of this. There's a lot of emotion here. And I want to begin reading in Matthew 1 uh, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph is one of my favorite characters in the Bible, and I read it with just a little bit of emphasis, but I want you to catch that one phrase in here. It says, he did what the Lord commanded. It seems like that could have been the statement that just uh, went over all of Joseph's life that we know about, at least in this text. He did what the Lord commanded. I mean, he might have been ridiculed by his friends, but he did what the Lord commanded. He could have very well been ostracized from, by his own family, yet he did what the Lord commanded. He might have been made fun of in the town, but he did what the Lord commanded. He might have been scared out of his mind, yet he did what the Lord commanded. He might have been the only one in the town to believe Mary's story, yet he did what the Lord commanded. Four times in Matthew chapter 1 and 2, an angel shows up 
in Joseph's dreams and, and has a very specific message for him. The first one is, take Mary as your wife. Her pregnancy is a miracle. The second was, run for your lives. Escape to Egypt because Herod's coming for Jesus. The third was, Herod has died and you can return. And the fourth was, not so fast, don't go there, instead go to Nazareth because Herod's son is just as crazy and terrible as he was. So there's four different times in these two chapters where an angel comes to Herod in this dream. And I'm starting to think Joseph would have been a little nervous going to sleep at this point. Because every time he's going to sleep, it feels like an angel comes and is like, Psst, get up, run for your life. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking at some point he's going to start sleeping with his shoes on. I had a friend in college, this is a true story, I had a friend in college, he was a bit odd, he slept fully dressed, even with his shoes on, because he never had time to get ready for class. (laughs) And so he could literally wake up and run to class, that was his plan, it was a little odd, right now he's doing this incredible ministry to kids with disabilities, so it all turned out fine. I don't know if he still practices this or not, but I'm thinking some of you have been pregnant or had a wife who was pregnant and you're thinking about sleeping with your shoes on. You don't know what's going to happen. You've got to be ready. You've got to have everything out. You at least have your shoes right beside your bed. And Joseph has to start wondering, do I need to keep my sandals on all the time? Because every time I go to sleep, God is telling me something in this dream. But the big thing is that every time God says something to Joseph, even if the text doesn't say it the same way it says, he gets up and he does what the Lord commands. Every time, he just gets up and he obeys, and he does whatever he needs to do. And he becomes Mary's number one advocate. He he serves Mary. He takes her and gets her to Bethlehem, serving her, caring for her, helping with the baby, then fleeing to Egypt into this strange foreign land, He runs there with Mary and baby Jesus and serves them and takes care for them. And I wish we knew more of what happened during that time, and we don't right now. Maybe, you know, in in the life to come, we can find out more of that story. But somehow, he serves his family and cares for them. They all survive, and they make it back, and Joseph is just serving. And I think he served Mary so naturally because he had already made up his mind to serve God. And when you make up your mind to serve God, it becomes really natural just to begin serving other people. Uh, There's still some times where it's a little tough. I'm not going to say it's just a slam dunk. But it starts with serving God. It's one of the reasons I, I love following Jesus and being part of the church is I know the church, we have our blemishes. We are imperfect people. And globally, the church is very imperfect But if you were just to parachute out on any place in the world where there is great need, you will find Christians caring for those people. You you will find Christians way before you find the UN, way before you find lots of other organizations. You will find Christians. I would would make that bet with anybody because I've seen enough of those places. And why is that? There's other people serving well, but you always find Christians in the worst of worst places. Why? Because when you serve Jesus, it becomes natural to want to serve other people, to want to care for other people. 
A few weeks ago, we studied the parable of the Good Samaritan, and that parable just keeps echoing in my mind. Remember, there was a, a man who was beaten up and left on the side of the road to die, and a couple of people who should have known better come by and ignore him, but then the Samaritan comes, who is typically viewed as the bad person in most stories, and he comes and he gets his hands dirty. His whole agenda changes. He helps the man, puts him on his donkey, takes him, cleans up his wounds, pays for him to stay there in whatever kind of aftercare he might needs. Why? For some reason, he had a heart that wanted to serve other people. And Sometimes God calls us to serve those who have never heard the good news. There are 50 million Pashtuns on this planet. Pashtuns, a people group, mostly come from Afghanistan and Pakistan. And we are uh, doing this special effort uh, this month to support some, some ministry work that is taking place amongst the Pashtun people and supporting two people who are two of the only 30 people who are fluent in the language and the culture and on the ground and sharing Christ with them and who have sacrificed so much to do that. And we love to partner with them. But I was talking to our, our, our mission partners um, about their ministry, and I want to just read something that they wrote to me about it. They said this, we have been really encouraged by how much God is moving through dreams and visions. While I was at a conference recently, I heard lots of reports from workers in the home country saying how the desperate situ situation there has caused Pashtun believers to grow stronger in their faith, and non-believers are having dreams and visions of Jesus. While the situation in place like this are truly awful, we are grateful for how God's redeeming love is shining through the darkness even in ways we aren't always accustomed to in the West. See, I, I believe we should not be surprised at all that God is still using dreams because God has always been in the business of communicating however he needs to. And you might think, well, how come I haven't had a dream? Maybe you have not had a dream from God. Because you can read the Bible right here. But what if the Bible is not available to you? I think God will do anything in his power to try to communicate with people he loves who don't know him. And so if there's not a Bible in the hand, oftentimes we see God using different ways. Maybe a radio show. Radio is making a difference in places like this. Christian radio. There's some, there's some uh, technology that where we can use that to spread the gospel. But God will still do the miraculous and work through dreams he certainly works through friends, and so we want to pray that this would continue. And when you pray for the Pashtun people, you pray that God would fill their minds with dreams, that Jesus is their Savior, and a light has come to free them from their darkness. When we pray for the Pashtuns, we trust that God is going to do a miraculous work, that, God is, that God's hand is at work in a in a people group full of so much uh, dark history and tragedy. And yet at the same time, while we pray for God's work, we still serve. We find ways that we can be action-oriented, that we can be courageous, because James says, faith without works is dead. And so we want to back up our faith by doing what we can, because it would not have mattered how much they said they believed if Joseph would have ignored the dreams and just said, ah, we're just going to stay here. 
and hope everything turns out. Or if, if St. Nick would have said, I'm not too worried about the hungry in the town. I said a prayer for them, and that's enough. Or maybe it's us ignoring God's promptings to love and to give beyond what we thought we ever could, to care for someone. So let me ask you this. If you've had your heart broken for the 50 million posh tunes without Jesus, or the hundred or so hungry neighbors Highland Park feeds every month, or the lonely uh, seniors in our community, or the discord within our city, or the trafficked boys in the Dominican and Haiti, or the at-risk children at Cookson Hills, or the spiritual skeptics in your own family, or the kids from trauma backgrounds from our local school, or the grieving friends who have just lost loved ones, then we want to invite you to be part of what Highland Park is doing. Because we trust that it is God who does the real work. But he calls us to join in what he is doing and to serve alongside him. And we've had three really simple points of application, ways that you can lean into this and to take steps of faith and to, to be part of this with us and to serve with us. And it's just three simple things. The first is to share skinny. So you share about this. You share what God is doing here. You invite people to come. This next Sunday would be the number one invite Sunday of the year. People are more apt to say yes to your invitation for this next Sunday than probably any other Sunday for the rest of the year. So we want to encourage you, invite people to come with you next Sunday. We'll have two services here to accommodate larger crowds, 9.30 and then also 11, okay, 9.30 and 11. And we hope that you come. We hope that you invite many of your friends and family members and neighbors and maybe somebody you meet today at a restaurant. Invite them. Pray for them. Offer to meet them at the front door or for them to drive in with you. You find a way to do that. And we want you to challenge you not just to share about this, but to go skinny. In other words, we've been challenging you to think about how can you go skinny and cut back on some expenses and some things now so that you can give above and beyond. And you see those red stockings. We've got a few of them left on the chairs. But if any family or any person doesn't have one, we want you to take one home, and we're encouraging you just to set aside some extra money. Our family's been setting aside a little bit of extra money, skipping a few things, and we put that money in there. And then next week will be an opportunity to give that in a special offering as we care for Pashtun people who have not heard the gospel. Maybe God is leading you to be radically generous to someone who is in need, maybe a need that we don't even know about the rest of us, but you know about it. And third, we want to to ask you to think about how you can live skinny. You know, if, if you started eliminating, you know, all of the trans fats and stuff in your diet, you would start to feel better. Things would start to change physically. And we want to encourage you to think about what can you eliminate in your emotional life or in your calendar, calendar or in your, your, your money life, your budget life, that would help you be more healthy, that would allow you room to do things that you never thought you could do, what if your lifestyle allowed you to give crazy, generous gifts? Not necessarily by amount, but by percentage. More than you ever thought you could. What if your life allowed you to care for the neighbor kid more than you ever thought you could? What if your life allowed you to be a foster parent to one of the 670,000 foster kids in America? Or the 147 million orphans around the world? What if your life was skinny enough that when you saw a need, 
you could just crazy, generously meet it, above and beyond care for people. That's what we're calling you to do. Jesus said he came to serve and not be served. And Jesus, of all the people in the world, he's the king. He deserves to be served. And yet he came and said, I serve. And we want to call you to serve a king like that, a king who loves you and who died on a cross for your sins. And if you have never said, I want to serve Jesus with my life, then this morning we invite you uh, to come up here on this front row right over here. If you would like to come up during this next song and ask ask for prayer or to begin a discussion and a study or say, I I want to begin serving Jesus, I want to talk about baptism and, and, and find out about that, we would love to to talk to you and pray with you, or you can mark your Connect card and we'll meet with you this week, pray with you and study with you. We'd be glad to do that with you. Uh, If you would like someone to pray with you, we'll be here again during this this song and right after, or you can mark again your Connect card. But we we wanna serve you in this way. If you would, would you stand and let me pray for us. God, we pray that because of how you've served us, then how we desire to serve you, that that would translate into us serving people all around us. I pray that this church would continue to be a church that serves you and serves our world, and serves people in need. And so even during these next few moments, I pray that um, as we sing and as we pray, that you would just fill our hearts with next steps of, of how we can serve you, how we can know you, how we can serve others, and help us to be obedient to that. We thank you for examples like Joseph, and mostly we thank you for the example in Jesus of how he came to serve us. In Jesus' name, amen.